Good morning. It's good to be here. It's good to worship with everybody. It's good to have this group of believers. It's good to be talking about the fruits of God's Spirit that comes out in our lives. Um, I want to get right into it, and I, I want to start with a prayer. And it's not going to be up on the screen, but if you want to turn to it, it's Ephesians 4, 14. Or just shut your eyes and listen to it. And I, I pray this. I pray this for the church for right here, for this morning, for us as believers as we come together. Ephesians 4, 14 through 20. Yeah, 21. Prayer for power and understanding. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. From him, every family in heaven and on earth receives its name. I pray that from his glorious riches, he would grant you to be strengthened in your inner being with the power through his Spirit, so that Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to grasp with all the saints what is the width and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Messiah, which surpasses knowledge, so you may be filled up with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far beyond all that we ask or imagine, by means of his power that works in us, to him be the glory in the community of believers and in Messiah Yeshua throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. That's what we're coming here today for is Messiah Yeshua. Um, review, preview. Galatians 5, 20 through 23. The fruits of the Spirit. This is what we've been on. This is what we're looking at. And this is what we're looking for in our lives. The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against things there are no such law. And I, I hope and I pray to everyone out there that they, they memorize that three sets of three and they, they recite it in their heads when they're going about their daily lives and whatever relationships or encounters that they have. Because I find it just awesome to have that knowledge of who God's Spirit is and what that fruit looks like and to look for it in my own life, to look for that fruit to be blossomed by God. Now, if we, if we look at Galatians 5 there, and we look just a few chapters earlier in uh, 19, that's what we know. That's what we know, the deeds of the flesh, sexual immorality, impurity, indecency, idolatry, witchcraft, hostility, strife, jealousy, rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. So it's good news to know that the fruits of the Spirit are not something we can produce on our own, but only through God's life-breathing breath will they blossom. And that's just, it's beautiful because it unites the flesh in which we know and the eternity to come, which is the kingdom of God. We're going to really be looking at the word self-control, at that meaning, at that thought process that Paul was having. The word that he uses is an ancient Greek philosophy word, enkratia. It means a state of power over something, usually a state of self-control and self-mastery, where one holds power over one's own passions and instincts. It was first used in the context by Socrates and all the other Greek philosopher dudes. Regardless of the fact Paul was all things to all men, 
and he knew how to use a word that would be understanding to a group of Gentiles to bring a spiritual meaning. And that's exactly what he did. He's using the word that has a physical meaning with a spiritual context. There's been so many misconceptions and strivings for these fruits of the Spirit, especially self-control. There's words that come to mind like temperance or discipline or denying yourself, abstinence, moderation, all in all just avoiding sin. There's been many movements bore out of it. Prohibition was caused because of it. People tried to flout morality and do things on their own. But it all seemed empty because they were relying only on the things that they knew in their flesh. We're looking for these fruits in our life, for them to blossom from God. We're looking to him and not to our own self. So this whole idea of self-control may be a little misleading because how many times throughout history have we thought that we could do it by ourselves? And we can't. So I want to try to define Scripture with Scripture. I want to look at examples of what self-control looks like across several different books, uh, look at different ideas and different terminologies. And I want to start in the book of Proverbs. Um, We're going to go to Proverbs 16 first, 1632. Proverbs is wisdom literature, and it's all centered around the wisest king, King Solomon. Wisdom in Hebrew, interesting to note, is more than knowledge or discernment, and it also means actions applied and knowledge of practical skills. So with this wisdom that that Solomon is trying to give us here, which I think he's a great guy to look at for self-control because he might have some truism, some something to say about it. And I find it interesting that the Hebrew is marrying not only the knowledge of something, but the act upon knowing it too, and using it almost like a verb. The book of Proverbs is generally just a a how-to-live way guide that honors God and others. It's how to live in a way that honors God and others. It's applying wisdom with the fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord being reverence and praise and honor, what we're doing right now. The Proverbs are not promised. They're more of truisms. They are perfect storms, if you will. Um, If everything went right according to God's plan, according to what creation should have been, there you have the Proverbs. These are not formulas for success. They're more of a guide for godly living. I love looking at the fact of who King Solomon was with this whole idea of self-control too. Slow-mo in Hebrew, which means peace. He, God gave him the wisest and most discerning mind in Second Kings. He was the last king of the United King of Israel. He's considered to be the last ruling monarch over the golden era of Israelite history. Um, Not conducive to self-control, he had over 700 wives and 300 concubines. He built the first temple in Jerusalem to house the Ark of the Covenant. And even after all knowing these things and knowing what a true and discerning mind of God should be and having all the right answers, he still succumbed to idol worship and worshiping other gods, and after his death, the kingdom of Israel split in two. 
And it shows that you can even know everything in, in, in your heart and know it to be true and still not have the capacity to walk in the Spirit, to walk it out, to walk these fruits out. All right, Proverbs 16, 32. Better to be slow to anger than a mighty warrior. One who controls his temper is better than one who conquers a city. I like to think of this as a common notion that is actually accepted in society of who's more likely to prevail in a conflict. It's the calm, cool, collect individual. It's the one that's not rushing to decisions. It's the one who's willing to, to think, to process, to not have his blood boil and make rash decisions. Slow to anger, controlling one's temper, level-headed. I also like about this proverb is you can put X, Y, and Z there. One who controls his passions. One who controls his uh, lusts. One who controls his food intake. Whatever you have, you can put it in here. It's better than one who conquers the city. Control is better than a mighty warrior. Control is better than conquering cities. There's an amount of power with withholding something, with not letting your inner self come out, with not letting what you are bleed out, but holding true to the spirit that is God. There's something at work here. There's something supernatural as we're diving into this idea and this terminology of what self-control is. I just want to keep chewing on, on whatever the Bible has to say about his fruit and what, why we want to have it. Let's go to Proverbs 25, verse 28. Proverbs 25, 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is one who has no control over his temper. What happens when you don't have self-control? What happens? You break down. Are your walls broken down? Are you left defenseless? Your gates ruined? Can you be carried away by any intruder that decides to walk in? How many people live like this? Every one of us. Every one of us because, as I said, we know what the deeds of our flesh are. We know what's inside of us. This idolatry, this separation, this corruption. But we don't have to live like our walls are broken down. Because by the power of the Spirit, He's given us strength to live in His city. To be surrounded by His walls. To live and look for His fruit. Lack of control leads to complete decreation. There's something about just indulging in oneself that will completely obliterate yourself. Our very atoms that hold us together, God exhibits control in, in the creation that he made by not having our very particles, our building blocks, our DNA fly apart. We have no idea how everything is woven together, how everything is held together, but we do know that if we don't let ourselves in the way of especially worshiping God, we don't have to be victims, Christians. We don't have to live defeated, Christians. We don't have to have broken down walls. 
So that was a couple proverbs, a couple truisms, a couple things about what control is. And, and it was really dealing with anger, but you can put anything there. What control is in your life? What is controlling you? And that's really what it comes down to. I want to go to the book of 1 Corinthians. I want to look at a set of, set of passages that Paul uses that echoes this terminology of self-control. I want to go to 1 Corinthians, and we'll start in chapter 7. The, the letters to the Corinthians were written to Paul, written by Paul to a quarreling church in Corinth. They're fighting, there's divisions. 1 Corinthians is a frank discussion to the church about real issues that impact real everyday first century churchgoers. These are real things that happen because we may know all the right answers and have all the laws in our head and, and, and know what we should do, but there's definitely consequences that go on every day in our lives that we have to exhibit control. We have to exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. We have to call on a power of God to work in our lives. The book of 1 Corinthians deals with things as life and doctrine, division and quarrels, sexual immorality, lawsuits between believers, marriage and singleness, and Christian conduct in the church in general. The church in, in Corinth was in a very dark place in the world where there was immorality beyond what you could understand, more than just the, the idol temples that, that were everywhere and the statues. It was the drunkenness. It was just the complete given over to oneself and every person in the city. So what a better place for them to shine bright. What a better place for the gospel to be preached and for them to shine their light out in the darkness. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 7, verses 8 through 9. But I say to the unmarried and to the widows, that it is good for them to remain as I am. But if they do not have self-control, let them marry, for it is better for them to burn with desire. There's so much that comes with these fruits of the Spirit that comes from these truths of who God is and his fruit that he wants to put in our lives that does not go with conventional wisdom. More times that it goes against it than goes with it. There has to be control in all things, and it's good for us to be in control because it's set by God. The issue here seems to be sexual. <laughs> it's a funny story. My, not funny, but my, my grandmother died, and um, I was five or so. And she was dead not, not, not over two weeks. Regardless, <laughs> my grandfather brought somebody from the church and was married to the funeral by the time it happened. Right, wrong, or indifferent. He chose to hold on to that. And I want to say here that it is funny that he didn't want to burn with passion, and it is kind of a little, a little too soon. But God gives us a way out on this one. There's something good that God gives us in, in relations that we have with our spouses. And most interesting to note here, Paul states it better to be single. It's not easy. It's not easy to be connected in one flesh with somebody. But there's an, a way to exhibit self-control that you will never get from, from anywhere else, sharing a life with somebody. 
and it's beautiful, these relationships that we, we get to have, that we get to be blessings to people around us with things like self-control. And when it comes to, to sexual immorality in our own lives, what a big one. What a one that no one wants to talk about, but there has to be control. There has to be. There, there is the fruit of righteousness that can be in this because God gave this to us. God gave this to us, and it is a blessing, and we can use it as such. So it doesn't need to be shamed. It doesn't need to be brushed over. The fact is that we don't have to burn with passion. We can find the person for us, or we can be single. Regardless of the matter, all things in ourself need to be controlled. And thanks be to God that I don't have to rely on myself to do that because the harder I look at myself through all this, this has been just a crazy journey, guys, where you realize you can withhold and abstain and do all these things for what? By your own power? As Joe says, his, his father-in-law or his dad, I think it was his dad, smoked for 40 years and just up and quit. Was it a power of the Spirit that, that gave him the victory, or was it in his own mind that he quit? Well, the point of self-control is for God's fruits to be blossomed in us. So with whatever we're controlling ourselves with, I, I just want to hone in on the fact that we're looking for those fruits. 1 Corinthians 9, verses 24 through 25. Don't you know that in a stadium... The runners all run, but one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may win. Every competitor exercises self-control in all respects. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we do it to receive an imperishable one. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25. Just praise be to God that we get to labor for something that's imperishable. There's so much that people give their lives over that is going to just go away. And for sure, we are all going away unless Jesus comes back. So what are we laboring for? What are we working for? How are we applying this godly knowledge with practical skills? What are we looking for in our lives? It's interesting to note in this, this passage, too, that it's, he's, la- he's marrying these two things again, this control over the body Control over the body, which is control over yourself, which is trying to reflect in, in the spirit that God breathed into you, who God is. That's really what control comes down to, is trying to reflect God better. We're running this race to win. Running this race to win. It is. It is. This is an endurance event. This isn't something that just comes easy. We're, we're, we're called to be separate. Dave said this morning something that just really hit me. Um, be holy like I am holy. Lord calls us to be with him, to be not him, but like him through his son Jesus. All of this amounts to exercising the fruits of his spirit in our lives, to have this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, nope, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There we go. Three sets of three. I 
And Paul leaves us in 1 Corinthians with something encouraging. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Because with this self-control, we're always thinking, we're thinking temptation. We're thinking about the things that we have to deal with and the situations that were encountered. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken hold of you except what is common to mankind. But God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. But with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so you will be able to endure it. All have fallen short. All have sinned. It's okay. He's bringing us all near. And it's not a list that we have to do, a set of rules, uh, liturgies. Um, he desires our hearts more than just our time and sacrifices. And we do marry the fact that our faith with works, and without it, it's dead. But first and foremost, we look for the spirit of who God is and his fruits. And we look for it to labor, not according to our riches or our glory, but to his. No temptation has taken hold of you except what is common. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can handle. God will never leave you or forsake me. He's faithful. Deuteronomy 31, 6, 8. Never leave me or forsake me. All these things that, that maybe we don't even know have control over us. He's provided a way out. He's provided a way for him to be faithful and, and ex express that faithfulness of his to us through his son, through his spirit, through these blessings that we get to live out in our lives. He is faithful he will provide a way. He will give you strength to endure. I just, he will provide a way of escape. There's, there's something powerful about that because it guarantees that we're all going to go through it. One way or the other, some kind of persecution, something's going to come up. And we're going to cling not to ourselves, but to the fruit of who he is, to who God says he is in the power of Jesus Christ and, and the power of the Holy Ghost that lives inside of us that leads us to Messiah Yeshua, that leads us to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But not all discipline is bad. And sometimes this discipline that we give our bodies, what it comes from is an understanding that God wants to discipline us too, like children. And he exercises that discipline in our lives. And it doesn't always feel the best. But with all these strivings, if we're setting our mind on the kingdom to come, this fruit of righteousness will be bloomed in our life beyond things that we could ever wish or ask for. There's a fullness of God that he wants to give to us so we may partake with him. God wants us to be right with him. God loves us like we are his own kids. Discipline in kids is hard. 
raising kids that don't turn out to be like little monsters, huh? And as much as we know these fruits and we can recite them, still I find myself and my tongue gets away from me and I get angry or I'm grumbling. There's so much corruption in me that I want more of Christ to fill it, to take it out. And that's really what it comes down to. And this discipline that he, he's, he's letting us graciously go through is preparing us for a more of eternity with him. The, uh, the writer of Hebrews 12 quotes another Proverbs here. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, never despise Adonai's discipline or dread his correction. For Adonai loves those who he reproves, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. As hard as it is to imagine, Jesus calls us his inheritance. <laughs> Isn't this great? He's putting us on this course to be back with him. He's already closed the gap. All we have to do is believe, to choose him, to act on these, to respond to the good news in our own life. Let's see what Hebrews says. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Hebrews 12, verse 11. Now all discipline seems painful at the moment, not joyful, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the exercise that we're talking about. Not only is, is the discipline coming from God, willingly we're looking to be corrected, to close that separation. We're also trying to d discipline ourselves to take in this word, to take it seriously, to use it practically, to look for it in our hearts. And whenever we, we don't see it, Lord, I pray that you show us where we're falling short so we may not continue that cycle of having our walls broken and being beaten down and, Lord, living in defeat. We don't want that. We want victory. All discipline seems painful a moment, not joyful, but later it yields peaceful food of righteousness. This is not instant gratification. This is, this is a process. This is a commitment. This is fear of the Lord. This is us coming here and doing things that are uncomfortable, putting our time into things because we know, we know according to the riches of his glory that we get to unite as believers and, and stand out different and have all authority in, in heaven rush through us through the power of the Holy Spirit to give us new life, transformed in the belief of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. God's discipline, the fruit of the Spirit, leads to righteousness. I love, I love how we get to be molded, how we get to be new people, how we get to have this journey together with each other, 
how we get to unite even though we have maybe nothing in common. I promise you, if you love Jesus, we have him in common. Trained by it. Walking in the Spirit. Exercising self-control. It's been the whole topic of this message is to see these fruits, to understand what Paul's terminology and definition of self-control means. How do we walk in the Spirit? How do we continue to have God's promises on our heart? And Christian, I, I promise you that, that God is faithful and he will give us understanding and he will be there for us, but it's not in our own understanding that we'll find him. We have this daily Bible appetite. We look into his word and we look with faith knowing that these promises that he gives us of this fruit of the Spirit, that we don't have to have the fruit of our own flesh, that we get something better. So, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Train in it. You walk in it. You endure with it. You get discipled by it. You get disciplined by it. God is a God of control and of order. And everything that we have that seems like chance or circumstance is in his control, way down to the very atoms that are holding our bodies together. Second Peter, let's close with that. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Verses 4 through 7. Second Peter, chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. Through these things, he has given us his precious and magnificent promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature since you have escaped the corruption that evil desires have brought into the world. Now, for this very reason, making every effort, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control patience and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly love, and to brotherly love, love. Praise God. He has given us everything we need in his word, in his prophets, in his writing, through his Holy Spirit. He's given us his precious and magnificent promises. He's brought us back from the dead. That by the blood of his one and only Son, that we may be partakers in his divine nature. We, we may be partakers in his divine nature. I don't know how to understand that, and I don't know if you do either. But there's a richness, there's a fullness to just this control idea of holding something back. We get something so much more. Consider what this in life has amounted for you, and maybe take an idea like Paul did, and it's all trash. The, the Pharisee of the Pharisees, a reputation that's huge and, and billowing over people, and you consider it all trash for the good news and the gospel. I also want to thank God that he's given us a way from escape from this corruption. This corruption from our own evil desires, what we, we choose, 
How many times has God given us given us forgiveness for something we've chosen and we realized? Or how many times have we chosen something and we didn't realize and we've been given over to that corruption? That's what we're proclaiming as watchmen here today. That's what we're looking for in these fruits of the Spirit. That we don't, we have to declare that we don't have to live in this corruption anymore. We don't, we don't have to feel these ways anymore. We've been given over to a new hope, a new mind. We're free from our own evil desires. But with that, we're making every effort with whatever we're doing and serving the community in our church. May they just not be idle words that we're talking. May we marry our faith and knowledge and godly wisdom with who he is with practical skills and applying what God's given us in our communities, in our families. This is a process. KJV calls it temperance for self-control. Almost like a refining. Eventually we're going to be in eternity and we're going to be standing before him and whatever we labored for, whatever we made effort for, and whatever our fruits in our life will be, he's going to reward to every man is it for his own work. God is impartial. So thanks be to God for the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit that's working in every believer's life that leads to redemption through Messiah Yeshua. So, how do we walk in the Spirit? How do we use this? What are we looking for? As we close out this, this series on, on what we're thinking about and what Paul was stating as what the fruits are, and walking in God's spirit. We're looking for him. We're looking for these fruits. We're looking for the love, joy, and peace. We're, we're looking for that unexplainable goodness that just comes flowing out of us. We're looking at having self-control over things that usually we'd give over to anger or to our own wants, but suddenly... We close that separation through the power of God and we, we don't feel like we need to be controlled by that anymore. This is living by the power of his Holy Spirit, looking uh, for his truths and promises displayed out in our lives to become more and more like Jesus. Make every effort to be more and more like Jesus. This is what, this is what we're coming to. Eventually, as I said, we're all going to stand before Messiah Yeshua. And, and whatever we work for, that's what we'll have to show. But thanks be to God that he gives us these fruits, that he gives us the power, that, that he gives us the understanding, that he gives us his word, his son, and his Holy Spirit to help complete this work that we wouldn't be able to do on our own selves. So with that, I'd like to go into our pause and pray time. And all I had Diana put up here was Galatians 5, 22 through 23, what we've been working on, the fruits of the Spirit. And I just want to come together as a unified body um, to pray over whatever God's bringing up in your heart about 
these fruits or about where you came from. And we get to praise God that, that he does give us a way out, that we don't have to live with broken down walls and to con confess that we're not always going to be good at this. But the fact that, God, you are faithful, thank you for giving us a way out. Make our requests known that we may live by the power of the Spirit and just thank God for all these good and glorious gifts that he gives each and every one of us that we get to display with each other. So let's just take a moment and pray as you like, and I'll close this in prayer. praise you for the power of the Holy Spirit in each one of these believers' hearts. I praise you for this, this labor that we get to to endure, to endure your dis discipline, to endure discipline of our own bodies, to search more and more to be more like Jesus. I, I praise you for this group of believers that we get to come here every Sunday morning uninhibited, unpersecuted, and, and speak through the power of your word to give you praise and honor and glory. And Lord, I confess with these matters of the fruits of the Spirit that I've often gotten it wrong. I've often walked according to fruits of my flesh more than fruits of the Spirit. But praise be to you, God, that has saved a sinner like me, that has redeemed me by the power of the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I confess that there's so much that my tongue gets me in trouble with, with my anger or, Lord, with self-control itself. But these... So I pray. I pray for this church that we have a boldness to make action with this godly wisdom that we're given and the fruits that you've given us by the power of your Spirit. That, that our faith is not dead, but it has works too. Lord, that we're combined together in unity for you. So thank you for this time that we get to come and we get to worship. And Lord, I pray that it's worthy and acceptable to you. And I pray that what needs to be heard by, by those laborers or saints that maybe not have yet woken or the ones that are here in belief. Lord, may it be known by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. I have Dave come up and do some announcements. The announcements are very short and sweet, just like the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, so for today, there is a sign up in the back, if you guys haven't seen it there at the place where you can get coffee. Uh, this is for the Carnes City High School's luncheon that we thankfully still have the opportunity to bless the teachers with. So what we're doing is a baked potato bar for August 21st, which is a Monday, just a few weeks from now. Uh, so what we need is some people to volunteer for bringing in some potatoes or condiments or things you put on your potato, uh, people to bake the potatoes, or you can volunteer to help and serve at the church or at the school when we do this, or you can donate money or you can do all of the above. So please uh, stop by there on your way out and 
put your name down for anything that you are willing to contribute. Uh, the deadline for this is Sunday, August 20th. So it's just a few weeks from now. And then Joe sent another email just uh, this week saying about there's, we have a missionary in, I believe it's Rwanda that, um, yes, it is Rwanda, uh, Gary. So he sent uh, an update in his letter. So if you hadn't read that yet, please do, because quite an interesting experience he had this past several days. So keep them in your prayer. Continue to pray for uh, our, our school, our community here. And for Pastor Joe and Trish as they're on vacation, please.